pray that you came ready to study the Bible together. Can I get a witness? As I've said before, and I've said it again, this is a Bible teaching, Bible preaching, Bible believing church. And we're going to let the word of God guide our, 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 our footprint uh, in life. Because again, as we've been talking over the last several weeks, this is God's plan for his church. As a matter of fact, I want you to kind of get, get, get your, uh, get your vernacular, uh, transformed because I, I've been accustomed to saying our church, but Maria and I, uh, the last three or four weeks, we've been correcting each other and saying it's not our church, it's his church. So when you, it's, it's his church at EBC, can I get a witness? And so that being the case, if it's his church, amen, uh, if it's his church, then we have to follow his plan. Can I get a witness? It can't be our plan, but it's got to be his plan. And we've been discovering the mystery of his church over the last several weeks or so. And so I'm, I'm excited about what God is going to do in and through this body. So if you have your Bibles, guys, let's go back to Ephesians chapter number three. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter three. And then we're going to uh, pick back up um, at verse number six. Well, as a matter of fact, let's, let's go. Let's start at verse number one. We start at verse number one. The Apostle Paul is the writer of the text, right? Is that correct? The Apostle Paul, the same dude. Everybody say same dude. The same dude who we saw, and we'll look at that just briefly, who we saw in Acts chapter number seven, sitting there holding the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death. The same dude, everybody say same dude, who uh, if you go into Acts chapter 8, you see him wreaking havoc on the church and causing people to scatter from Jerusalem, that same dude. That same dude, everybody say same dude, on the road to Damascus in Acts the ninth chapter met the resurrected Savior and had a, a life transforming experience. That very same dude, everybody say same dude, who when he was converted and God was ministering to him and as he was there blind, praying, didn't have his sight, God talked to a man by the name of Ananias. said, Ananias, go and lay your hands on a guy by the name of Saul. Ananias did like a lot of y'all do when you look at past experience. He said, but Lord, the Bible said he exclaimed, that's the dude who sat there and watched them stone Stephen to death. That's the dude who wreaked havoc in the church and was persecuting the church, and you want me to go lay hands on him? But guess what? The angel of the Lord came back and said, yes, that's my plan. That's my servant whom I've chosen. Now, guys, I want to tell you something right now. It's, It's one thing for you to ask a question, but it's another thing for you to ask a question to justify yourself. And I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to look back again at the parable of the Good Samaritan because there was a, a, a religious leader, a, a, a lawyer, seeking to justify himself. Some people ask questions because they have a curiosity. They want to know what God's will is. And some are asking questions not to know what God's will is, but to keep themselves where they are, seeking to justify themselves. And we're going to see the difference here in just a second. So this same Saul, this, whose name is changed to Paul, is the writer of our text, the same dude, 
all right, who was persecuting the church and caused the church to scatter, the same dude now has a, a, a revelation knowledge about the mystery of the church that was hidden in times past but is now being revealed in the New Testament. And that is that God's plan all along was to have a multi a multi-ethnic body that would testify to the power and authority of God and that Jesus Christ was sent by the Father in heaven and our unity as a body is a testament to the power and the wisdom and the authority of God. Are y'all tracking with me today? So y'all ready to go? See, listen, when you get revelation knowledge on the thing, I, and guys, I, God, God showed me this thing and, and, and I'm following his will. I told you guys when we start this study, one of the things that you got to be careful of is you don't allow your experiences to try to trump the word of God. And, and, and Ananias, when he first when he first came, the word came to him. He was a little bit nervous about going to Saul. Right. But the thing about, I like about Ananias is he listened to the word of God. You can have some fears. You can have some, some, some trepidation. You can have some insecurities. But once you hear what God's word, you are obligated at that point as a believer to follow that word. And if you don't follow that word, God will deal with you if, you if you're his. And I will tell you this. If you are not a follower of God's word on a consistent basis and you're not a doer of the word of God, you may not be God's child. So if I can show you what the scripture says and you still want to challenge the scripture, and, and it's rightly divided, then you better check and see where your heart is with the Lord. Because Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of God, but he that what? Do it the will of my Father, which is in heaven. All right, so y'all ready to go? I am. If y'all not, I am. Say, Pastor, I'm ready. Or, or say, Pastor, can you help me get ready? I'm willing to help you get ready if you're not ready, all right? Look at Ephesians, the third chapter, verse number one. Can we read together? Text says what? When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility. Watch this. The special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. Watch this. Let's go. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. All right. As you read what I've written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. Paul is writing to the saints at Ephesus here. Let's keep reading. Verse number five says what? I didn't hear y'all read. Come on, let's go. God. But now by his spirit. He has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Now, guys, when we read this right here, when Paul is writing this, the previous generations is in reference to those generations that came before Christ, before his death, burial, and resurrection. This was a mystery. This was a hidden, this was God's hidden manifold wisdom in Old Testament times. But guess what, guys? It's been revealed to us. It should not be a mystery to New Testament believers. Are y'all tracking with me today? God did not reveal it to the previous generation, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. Next verse says what? And this is God's plan. The plan that was hidden, the plan that Satan had no idea what God was doing, 
the plan that was revealed in the, wisdom, in the manifold wisdom of God and served as a testimony to the angelic host that God's wisdom far exceeds Satan's wisdom. Ah, oh, God. Y'all got to get this. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share what? Equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessing because they belong to what? So in Christ Jesus, it doesn't matter your ethnicity. Let me say it again. In Christ Jesus, it does not matter what your ethnicity is. Your Christianity should always trump your ethnicity. Be proud of who you are. God made you that way. God, God, God's multicolored body, Christ, is something that, that he reveres because he made us different. All right? So don't, don't not celebrate who you are, but don't let your celebration of who you are, amen, trump who you are in Christ Jesus. Can I get five witnesses out there today? He says, now, and this is God's plan that both Jews and Gentiles who believe the good news share, share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. Seven and eight. Let's go. Come on. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by doing what? By spreading this good news. What good news was that? That, that in Christ Jesus, Jew and Gentile come together. That in Christ, amen, our ethnicity no longer separates us. Can I get a witness? By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving, serving, serving him by spreading this good news. Next verse, let's read. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Verse 9 and 10 says what? I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had did what? From the beginning. Next verse says what? God's purpose in all this was to use, stop, the church. God's purpose in all this was to use what? The church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in heavenly places. We're talking about the angelic chorus, those that are evil and those that are good, because whether you realize it or not, there is spiritual warfare going in the heavenly realm. When you talk about the heavenly realm, you talk about three, three circles of, 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 of living. In other words, heaven is talking about the atmosphere above the earth, and then the second heaven is where the angelic chorus are doing battle, okay? And then third uh, is, is where Christ, uh, where God our Father sits on the throne of God, okay? So in that, in, that, in that second heaven, in that atmosphere, in that area where the angelic chorus is doing battle, God says, I'm going to use my church to show these, these, these unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, amen, that, that my wisdom far exceeds the wisdom of Satan. I told you on last week. We looked at it in 1 Corinthians where the Bible says that, that you can't understand the things of God except the Spirit of God gives you revelation knowledge. Some of you all I'm a little bit afraid of because some, some, some of you all won't listen to Bible teaching. Now listen to me. Because what you'll say is, is well, I feel this way. And I've told you before, whenever you're discussing, I, okay, tell me how you feel. And let's talk about how you feel, but let's see how your feeling lines up with Scripture. 
Because, see, what's going to tell me if you really submitted to Christ or not is when you know what the Word of God says, but you allow your feelings to, 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 to pull you away from doing and being obedient to that Word. Y'all still tracking with me? All right, so let's keep moving. So God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom and his rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, guys, we talked about the fact um, uh, that if you're going to walk in the kingdom of God and it is God's will for his kingdom to be displayed here on earth, because uh, a question was asked, well, uh, some some of y'all may be thinking, well, well, pastor, that was in heaven. We on earth. And so we can't see what happens in heaven. In other words, the men of every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne worshiping, serving God. That can't happen here on earth because we, we are only human. Well, let me ask you a question. Why would Jesus say, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if it was not possible for his heavenly will to be done here on earth? If, if, if that was the case, if it was impossible, then we serve an unjust God. If God asks you to do something that you're incapable of doing, then he would be an unjust God. And get, let me tell you something, baby, we don't serve an unjust God. And so what God is saying is that if I say this is my will, and if I give you a directive, you have the capacity within you to do it. It's a matter of whether or not you're willing to submit your will to my will. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you willing now I look at the other one and say, are you willing? I will submit to you that some of y'all are not willing. All right? Because it doesn't line up with your theological construct or, or your feelings or your experiences. Guys, listen to me. I'm willing, I'm willing to listen to every question. But again, what is your question designed to do? Let's, 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 can we walk just for a second? I want you to go with me right quick and, and look at something. Let's go to Luke chapter number one right quick. Luke chapter number one, verse number 11. I want to show you something. And guys, we talked about the fact that in this third chapter of Ephesians, we have three or uh, four groups that are, that, that are, uh, that are uh, receiving this instruction. And we, we talk about Paul himself. We talk about uh, the, uh, the Gentiles. We talk about the angels. And we talk about Christians today. This word is, is for all of us today. Okay. Paul, the Gentiles, the angels, and Christians today. The mystery is important to these four different groups in this text. So you are, you are the Christians today, all right? So this mystery is important because for so long, guys, we've allowed division in the church and in the country to keep us from fulfilling God's purpose and desire through his church. It's God's plan for his church. Now, again, as you go through this study, you can go through it two, one or two ways. You can go through it through, through, the, through the mindset of I'm seeking to learn everything that God wants to teach me or you can go through it. I'm seeking to hold on to what I've always believed and known and I'm not re- willing to release that no matter what you say. Okay? So you got to decide. Am I going to go with God or am I going to hold on to my cultural upbringing? Or am I going to hold on to my experiences and what shaped me and, 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 and I'm not willing to release that, Pastor, because you know I'm... I'm if, if I ain't changed by now, I'm 75, 80, I ain't going to change. That's a dangerous way to be, guys. It's dangerous for you to sit there and say, I'm not going to change. 
Remember, we, we talked about, we did a series, I don't know, it may have been a 12, 15-part series talking about commitment to change. Anything that's growing will change. And I've told you before, I, I, w- I will not, under, under my watch, get to the beam of judgment seat of Christ and be guilty of not preaching you gospel truth. Because I, I will not sit here and, and allow our church to know what God's plan is and then not pursue it with all my heart, mind, and soul. All right. So if you want to go with God, come on, follow me. If you don't want to go with God, then 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 I'm telling you, if you belong to him, he, he will deal with you. All right. So let's watch this. OK, so when you go through here and you begin to ask questions, watch. I, I, I saw this this morning, guys, and it just kind of blew my mind. Luke, this, the, the first chapter, uh, and we're going to start our reading at verse number 11. Luke, chapter one, verse number 11. Y'all there? If you're not there, it's on the screen. Amen. Text says this. While Zacharias was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Text says, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Now, in case you didn't know, he hadn't read this before, this is, this, this is the, the, the biblical account of how John the Baptist uh, came into the earth ramp, okay? His dad's name was Zechariah, and his mother was named Elizabeth, okay? Next verse says what? Let's read. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Text says, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Watch this now. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Text says he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Next verse says what? Now, now again, watch this. He he asked a question. I want to I want to specifically hound on the difference in Zachariah's question and Mary's question. All right. So y'all y'all hang with me. Watch what he says. How can I be sure this will happen? Am I am I am I old now? And my wife is also well along in years. Now notice he says, back up, watch this. How can I be sure? This will happen. Am I, am, am I an old man now and my wife is also well along in years? Text says this. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. Now there's an exclamation point behind that. Anytime you're writing in the English vernacular and you put an exclamation point behind a sentence, that means you, 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 you have a dramatic uh, inference there. In other words, if I exclaim, that means I'm saying it with, with some passion, with some, some vigor, some zeal. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. There's an exclamation point again. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, watch this. Since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Now watch this. He says, how can this be? All right. How can this be? Uh, are you sure? Okay. How can, how can I be sure? 
how can I be sure that this is going to take place? All right? But the angel says, since you didn't believe my words, you ain't going to be able to speak until this, uh, uh, till the baby is born. Okay? Now let's skip down. Keep reading. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. He had an encounter with God's, God's angelic being. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Yeah, he did, didn't he? <laughs> when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Keep reading. Let's go, guy. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. Now, guys, understand something here. They were, they, they were up in age, and this was an unlikely press, uh, pregnancy. But just like with Abraham and Sarah, when God gives you a word, don't doubt the word of God. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what your cousin them said. If you have a word from God, you better find yourself following and being obedient to that word. How, how, how kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. Now, now you have to understand something. It, it was considered to be a curse almost if a woman couldn't have children during this time period. He has taken away my disgrace. Notice what she says. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Let's keep reading, guys. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. Text says, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Here is seeing two miraculous births being foretold. Gabriel appeared to her and said, what? Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. Text says what? Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So angel told, he says, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him what? Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. That's key reading. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked, hey, now listen, here's what I want to hone in on. John, I mean, not John, Zacharias, Previously said, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure of this? Of what? Of me and Elizabeth having a child. All right? That was his question. How can I be sure of this? Which indicated he doubted what the angel was saying. Now, notice Mary's question. Mary didn't doubt that she could have the baby. She says, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. She didn't say, uh, uh, you know, uh, are you sure it's going to take place? She wanted to know how. Do y'all see the difference? Watch this now. Next verse says what? Come on, let's read. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, get, listen, guys. When you're asking questions for legitimate reasons, God will give you an answer. But if you're asking questions like we're going to see in the parable of the Good Samaritan to justify yourself, to justify your stance, then you are out of the will of God and God will deal with you if you belong to him. Text says, then the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Let's keep reading. What's, what's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Here we go. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. The angel brought a word. Then the angel said, look at your cousin Elizabeth. She old. She don't have any business having a baby, but she is. Come on, guys. Listen, even though it may not seem like uh, whatever's happening and whatever God gave you is, is going to transpire. If you just learn how to trust in him, he will bring it to pass. 
Your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. Watch this, guys. For the word of the Lord will what? It'll never fail. Let's keep reading. Let's go. How did Mary respond? She responded, hold on, she responded different than Zechariah. Zechariah responded with doubt and unbelief. But notice what Mary said. When Mary asked her question, because Mary wanted understanding, she had a word from the angelic messenger, and she believed the word. She, she was just confused. She knows she hadn't slept with nobody. You came up pregnant, and your mama asked you, how could this happen? You're like, I don't know. I can tell you how it happened. I don't, yeah, you do know. <laughs> this is the one instance in the, in, in, man, in the history of mankind where a woman was impregnated and did not have sexual relations. So if you get pregnant, I can tell you how. We can have a biology lesson. Hello? Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May it, watch this. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So two different responses. See, uh, if you will, go with me right quick. Let's go to Luke, the 10th chapter, verse number 25. So as you go through this study, and, I, and, 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 I'm, and one of the things that we, 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 we always try, whenever, you, whenever you're studying the Bible, or when you ever, whenever you're studying scripture, you want to make sure that you understand the who, what, when, where, and that, and why. Who's talking, what they're talking about, okay? Now, one of the things you don't want to do as we go through this study is spend all your time complaining about your experience. Talk about your experience. We want to know about it. But first and foremost, let's see what the word of God says theologically first. So in your small group, if you got, listen, the, you, as we go through these small group studies, it's not, it's not designed just for you to vent. It's designed for you to learn. Because if you learn, the Holy Spirit and the word of God will transform your heart. Anybody that's sitting in this church or any other church that's open in, in the name of Christ Jesus, and as you sit there, and if you're judging somebody, having certain feelings against somebody based off of how they look on the outside and you don't even know that person, you are absolutely dead wrong. Y'all look at me. If you make a judgment or determination on the worth, the value, and, and, the, and the, the, the ability of God to use a person based off of how they look on the outside, you are dead wrong. You have become a respecter of person, and that's something that God does not do. He's not a respected person. So you better check yourself. I told y'all on last week, I quoted from Dr. King's a letter from the Birmingham jail. One of the things that, that, he, that, that everybody that, that went through the, uh, the nonviolence movement had to do, part of that process was self-purification. And I got news for you. One of the reasons why God is teaching this, amen, through me is because everybody here needs some self-purification. And not only does this church need it, every other church that's open in God's name needs it. All right? What is self-purification? Check your heart. Because here's what people would do. They'll complain about, you can't argue this theologically. Because unless you just, unless you just slow on the draw, you can't, you can't misunderstand what Paul was saying about the mystery of the church. So what you do is you'll find something else to complain about. Because you can't argue it theologically. It's kind of like this. 
whenever affirmative action first came into play to address past uh, uh, past uh, discrimination, affirmative action was never designed for you just to hire a black person, just to hire a black person. It was designed to make you think about giving opportunity to people who you previously didn't give an opportunity to. Don't hire somebody who's not qualified. All right. But 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 what people do is when people at, at that stage, stage in time, what they would do was they couldn't they couldn't argue the fact that they were being discriminatory. All right. That, that their mindset was off base. So what they would do is they try to argue against the affirmative action program because you couldn't justify. How is it that you got a community that's 40 percent black? And ain't nobody in your, in your bank uh, black. So what you do is you find something else to argue about because you don't want to deal with the sin in your heart that says, you know what, I got a problem with people that don't look like me. Are y'all tracking with me today? So we're going through a self-purification process. And guess what, listen, I'll tell you what, you may not be where God wants you to be, none of us all are, but in this area, when we clearly show you in the scripture and you still are out there, you better check your heart. Because my Bible says you can't love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother who you see every day. So we got, we got to do something about what's in your heart. And the word of God has the ability to do that. Are y'all still tracking with me? Are y'all, are y'all still friends with me? Huh? Do you, do you, lo- do you love for your pastor to execute the text? Do you love for your pastor to just give you the word of God plain? Not sugarcoated? I love you. I'm going to say something right quick and I'm going to say it. And she, she, she's heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it. And I started been texting and asking if, is it okay to say it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Okay. Uh, my sister right here, we, we worked together at the bank for a number of years. Okay. Uh, and I've seen, I've seen the Lord transform this woman's heart. Okay. And I shared this, I shared this in one of our meetings. I said, you know, I remember the days when my sister here uh, wouldn't have dared done what she did the other week. Having a bunch of ladies spend a night at her house for a sleepover. That wouldn't have happened 20 years ago. Am I lying? It would not have happened. It would not have happened 20 years ago. Are you with me? But and, and, and we've had some, some, some deep abiding conversations and talking about issues and feelings and stuff and learning how to, it's okay to ask questions if you're trying to learn. But it's not okay to ask questions if you're trying to disrupt God's plan. So we've had those conversations and as we walk through the scripture and, 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 and I've seen the Lord transform her heart to be able to do that. And that may seem simple to you, but it's not when you were coming from a certain place. Uh, and, and sometimes that, 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 that's coming from a place of hurt and, and, a, and, a, and a place of, of disappointment from, from previous relationships. And so, But when you allow God into that space, God is able to transform your heart. Can I get five witnesses out there? So you may not be where you need to be, but you got to have a heart to want to be what God wants you to be. Can I get a witness? God's plan for his church. All right, let's keep moving. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test, to test Jesus by asking him this question. All right? Again, I don't have a problem with questions. 
but it's what your purpose is. If, if, if your purpose is to try to diminish God's plan, his word, then you better watch yourself because the enemy will use you to create division in God's house. Are y'all with me? And that the devil, the only math the devil knows is division. He's about dividing. And we're going to see here in just a second, God is about bringing people together. Can I get a witness? Text says one day in the expert of religious law stood up to test Jesus, asked him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Watch this. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Come on, let's go. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Watch this. Text says what? Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Well, 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 the man asked the question, and Jesus gave an answer. But guess what? The man wasn't asking the question to really get revelation knowledge. He was asking the question to justify himself, to justify where he was, to justify his stance, to say, I'm right, and God's word ain't quite there. Watch this. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor then? Now watch this. As he asked this question, I believe that Jesus Christ specifically uses this parable of the Good Samaritan to, to, to foreshadow of what was, what was his mystery, the mystery of the church that was coming, amen, after his death, burial, and resurrection. Can I get a witness? Watch it. He says, the man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? So here, here we go. Y'all know the story. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, left him half dead beside the road. Text says what? By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, what did he do? What did he do? Come on. Like some of y'all, come on. What did he do? Like some of y'all, y'all saw that person on the street there, and what you did, you looked this way, and then drove all the way around the block over here, because you know you... And I'm not saying that you give everybody on the street money, because that's not the answer, because some, some of them have some problems that goes beyond just giving them money. But, but, but listen to what I'm trying to tell you. These, this guy here crossed to the other side by the other road and passed him by. Text says what? Next verse what? Come on. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by what? On the other side. They wouldn't even get close to the guy. This is Jesus telling the parable because the lawyer seeking to justify himself, want to know, well, who's my neighbor then? And Jesus foreshadowing, amen, the revealing of the mystery of the church, which is Jew and Gentile in one body, is going to use a Samaritan to come minister to a Jew. He's going to use a typology, a type of the church, because the church is Jew and Gentile in one body. Watch the text. And the temple walked over and looked, the temple system walked over, looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Next verse says what? Then a despised Samaritan, a despised, what, what did he say? What did he just say? A what kind of Samaritan? A despised Samaritan. Jews despised Samaritans. A Samaritan was a half-breed, half-Jew, half-Gentile. Don't miss, the, don't miss the analogy. Don't miss the prototype here. Don't miss the typology. Here, Jesus, amen, our Savior, chose to use the example of a Samaritan to, to identify who the true neighbor was. You had a Jewish guy talking to him. And 
The Bible says what? A despised Samaritan. They were despised by the Jews. Came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Text says, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wound with olive oil and wine and banished them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Text says this, the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If this bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Text says, now which of these three? Watch this. Jesus now pushed the question back on him. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandit? Jesus asked. Let me tell you something right quick. Whenever Jesus asks a question, he already knows the answer to the question that he asks. And guys, that happens sometimes in life. Sometimes your parents already know the answer to the question uh, before they ask you. They just want to see if you're going to lie. Hello? I oftentimes laugh, and every husband can relate to this. Uh, Sometimes our wives will ask us questions. And we already know the answer to the question before they ask. They ask us as if it's really a choice. Uh, hey, baby, you, you, uh, do you want to go to the store with me or do you want to continue to watch the ball game? <laughs> now, how many, cu- how many husbands know what the right answer is? Come on, husband, you know what the right answer is. Huh? But they ask the question... It was a test. Everybody says a test. You may not think much of that, but it's a test to see whether or not you're willing to sacrifice to to go with her or just to be with her. My wife told me this other day, and and, and it really blessed my heart because, uh, you know, sometimes it may not not always been that way. She says, you know, I just like hanging out with you. Did y'all hear that? I just like hanging out with you. Even even to the point to where she... um, we, we had to go to Sam's Club. At the Sam, how many of y'all have to make the Sam's Club run when you got to go to tissue, the paper towel, and all that stuff? Uh, and, she, and she likes to go together. Now, now, most husbands are probably like me. And I know this is a little bit of a side, but y'all just hang with me, okay? Most husbands are kind of like me. If you give me a list, Bobby Figaro, I will take that list. I will go into Sam's Club, and I'm on a mission. Everything that's on that list I'm zeroed in. I'm going to get it. And I don't just look around just to look around. But I bet every husband can testify to the fact that when you go to the store with your wife, she has a list, but she wants just to look around at stuff. Hello? And I used to fight that real hard. I, I would be in there. It ain't on the list. It's not on the list. It's time to go. Is it on the list? And she'll be looking at all kinds of stuff. And but what I discovered is, is that 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 time together is precious. Hello? And so I stopped fighting it. And, it, and whatever she won't look at, I just push the back basket. <laughs> and I'm just reading. Because I'm just with her. Sometimes she just wants me just to be there. Hello? And, and, and guys, I'm gonna tell you something. Jesus wants you to be there. Hello, you may not be on to do anything, but just pray, but be there. Can I get a witness? You know, on, on Monday morning, connect, uh, you know, get up and pray. Don't, you know, prayer shouldn't always just be done here uh, 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 for the start of service, but get on the call and pray. And, I, and just, just, just by way of a challenge, and I'm moving here. Guys, I need some more men praying. 
Men, men do this all the time. And I, I've been watching men for 30 years. I'm one, I've been watching men for 58 years. Men will start out good, then they fade. When it comes to spiritual things. When it comes to spiritual things. And so men ought to pray. Preachers ought to be praying rather than sleeping. One day, could you not get up one day a week and pray for the body of believers? Pastor, you meddling? No, I'm not meddling. I'm, I'm pastoring you because I've seen it happen. People need to see, amen, spiritual beings. And, and women, women, thank God for the women that pray, but men ought to be praying too. Can I get one amen? amen. Can I get two? Amen. Can I get three? Amen. Are brothers saying amen? amen. See, brothers are pride. See, you, you, you'll, you, you'll get upset about somebody praying, but you won't pray. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm, I ain't going to be your pastor just when, when it's something good. I got to talk to you about what I see. There's a prophetic anointing on, on the pastorship, and when I see something, I'm going to say something. Because I don't want you to go into that, keep going in direction and thinking everything's okay. God wants to see men lead their families spiritually and not just economically. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The Samaritan was the one that was a neighbor. And I would argue theologically, and this, I, I hadn't read this and, and I hadn't had a I hadn't had the commentator back me up on it, but I would argue that that Samaritan was a, was a typology of the coming church because the coming church is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, metal, female, but we all are one in Christ. God took two distinct bodies of, of the Jews and then everybody else, ethnic group, and he planted them together into one body. So we are a mixed breed. Everybody say the church is a mixed breed. All right. Bless the Lord. All right. So now, so we see that uh, that guy was asking questions to justify himself. Are you asking questions to justify your position? Are you asking questions to learn? Mary asked the question to learn. Zechariah asked the question because he doubted. Trust God and take him at his word. Amen. So, so let's get back to, uh, to uh, Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 11 and 13 right quick. Okay. Are y'all still with me today? The apostle Paul went from persecuting the church and causing Christians to scatter abroad to minister to the church and imploring Christians to come together in Christ across ethnic lines. So, so this mystery uh, as revealed is for us Christians today. Had Satan known by crucifying Christ that you and I would be in the same body, he never would have done it. Ephesians 3, chapter verse number 11. This was his eternal plan. This was his eternal plan. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. This was not some Johnny come lately plan that God trumped up. This was his eternal plan from the very foundation of creation. God knew what was going to transpire. And he already had his plan set to redeem mankind back to himself. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Next verse says what? Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come what? Boldly and confidently into God's presence. Next verse says what? So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you so you should feel what? 
honor. When God saved Paul, he deposited with him the treasures of gospel truth. Paul, in turn, committed these truths to others, exhorting them to commit the truths to faithful men who could guard them and share them. Go to 2 Timothy with me right quick, chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, then I'm going to go to the 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verse number 13 and 16. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul tells young Timothy here, look at what he says. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Next verse says what? You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now here's the same Paul, that same dude who was saved on the road to Damascus, who is now preaching the mystery of the church. He's going about establishing multi-ethnic churches so that those churches can be a living, vibrant witness to the power of God in the earth realm. And let me say something right quick. In In this country that we live in, it is not that big of a deal, so to speak, in, 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 in a way, when an African-American goes and joins a predominantly Caucasian church. Can I use that term? Again, remember, in Christ Jesus, there's no Jew nor Greek. Y'all understand that, right? But I'm using it as a point of identification because in America, we, we, we waste so much silly time, amen, judging and, 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 and dividing based off of ethnicity. But just to teach this, I got to teach it, okay? Because we are who we are. But but it's, it's not as big of a deal for, 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 for you to go join First Baptist or go join Cypress Baptist Church. Not that big of a deal. It is a big of a deal if, 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 uh, if everybody looks like you and joins them and now it's, it's, it's 50-50, then people start getting nervous. <laughs> Can we talk? As Duran likes to put it, you know, it in most of our churches, if there's a little sprinkling of chocolate chips, there, it's not, not a big deal. But when it becomes a swirl and we all mix up in there, then people start getting nervous, just like here. It's okay if, if a few of those little, little white chocolate comes in. But by God, Pastor, it was about 50 of them came at one time. What's happening to our church? Now, y'all, y'all laughing, but if I'm lying, I'm dying. You know I'm telling the truth, but some of y'all start getting uncomfortable. But that's why I'll be going through this self-purification process so that you get your mind right. I told y'all before we even got to this, you got to lose your mind and gain the mind of Christ. Philippians 2 and 5 says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Are you going to lose your mind? Or are you going to keep it? Some of y'all want to keep it. And I'm going to tell you, God can't use you. As a matter of fact, if, if, if you're not careful, God will start to deal with you. What, what, what you mean deal with me, Pastor? Well, if you become a disruptor of God's plan, God will move you. Can I get two witnesses out there? God will deal with you. When you start saying stuff that contradicts what his word says. Remember, before we read this, remember I, I told y'all before uh, when we were doing the, the series Commitment to Change, it was part four, I believe it was, and, and, and I asked the question, have you lost your mind? I told you that God will use th- primarily three tools to facilitate change in us. I would hate to think that we would have anybody in this church 
who would be so stubborn and so pig-headed that would say, I'm going to stay the way I am. I'm, I've been this way all my life, and, and, and I ain't going to change. I, I, would hate to, I would hate to think that somebody would be so stubborn that they would grow old and just be bitter the rest of your life. I refuse to live that way. Guys, I, listen, I refuse. Did y'all hear me? I refuse to live uh, 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 in a way that's, that, that's, that's anything other than what God has for me to live. And I'm going as a pastor, as an individual husband, a father, I'm going to do it the way God says do it. And if people don't like that, then so be it. But I'm going to stay. I'm going with God. Did y'all hear me? I, I got to go with him. All right. And I'm, I'm willing to listen to you. If you can show me in the word where I'm wrong. Hello, I'm, I'm willing to reason out of scripture. I'm not willing to reason when you don't have any scripture to back it up. And when you're doing your discussions in your small groups, if you got a thought or opinion on something, share that, but be able to back that up with scripture. If you just talk, just to hear yourself talk, then you might as well just be quiet. If you want to learn, let's learn. But don't just talk just to hold your position. Because we're going to go with God. Everybody say God's plan for his church. So I told you, I told you uh, the tools God uses to facilitate change. Number one, God uses his word. That's why we're going through the through the book. We're studying the Bible. So whenever you start sitting down and talking to somebody, you always start with the theological and the doctrinal construct. Don't start with your feelings. Start with the word of God. Amen? So in your discussion, y'all will be talking about word and not just, well, I feel this way. Well, I came up this way. And all of us came up a certain way. All of us had certain feelings. All of us had experiences. But don't let the spirits dominate you to the point to what you refuse to follow God's word because God has a plan for his church. Y'all still with me? Y'all still love me? Look, look at, so, so God uses his word. God uses his spirit. And God uses circumstances. He uses his word, he uses his spirit, and he uses circumstances. Go to 2 Timothy. What did I tell you I go? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Come on, let's read it right quick. Come on, let's go. I got to move. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Next verse says what? You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. What is it? Now teach these truths to other what? Trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now, in the confines of a church, I got sense enough to know that everybody ain't trustworthy to pass this on, but you're going to know what it says, and, and here's how you're going to prove yourself to be trustworthy when you start saying what God says and stop saying what you think. Look at what he says. He says, now, you've heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other what? Trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Y'all got that? Go to 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, verse 16 and 17. Can we walk? Are y'all still with me? Watch the text now. Because God, God, God used the word to change it. Until your mind or your thinking is changed, your behavior and your actions won't change. All scripture is what? Inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. 
And it teaches us to do what is right. What does that, guys? The word of God does. So if I'm having a a discussion with you, but I leave out the word of God, then I won't be on solid ground because I'm like anybody else. I'll start talking about how I feel and what I think rather than what God's word says and his direction for our life. You know, Paul, again, when he first started preaching, and again, Paul started immediately preaching. He had a call from God on his life. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't wait. He started preaching. And remember what happened? Um, he started going around different places. And then he started telling his testimony. And the people listened to him until he said that one word, Gentiles. Folk that's not like us. They got indignant. Because there was stuff in their heart that God had to purify them up and to deal with them. And God's plan for his church is that, that if you start, you, if you say you're a Christian, you name Christ, look at me dead in my eye. If you say you're a believer, but you have made a decision that you're going to judge somebody and you don't even know them based off of how they look on the outside, you are wrong. And if you're not careful, you may find yourself someplace you don't want to be. All right. Everybody say preach the Bible. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, let's read, let's go. God uses it, what is it? The word, the scripture. He uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So, So let me ask you a question. And you know who you are. If you're not spending any time in the word, if you're not spending time meditating in the scripture, day and night, like Joshua 1 and 8 said, observing to do according to all that's written therein, then you make your way prosperous, then you have good success, but you're not spending any time in God's word. How, pray, tell me. Just kind of talk to me now, okay? Because here's what the word says. God uses it. What is it? The word to prepare and equip his people to do what? Every good work. How are you going to be prepared and equipped to do every good work, but you have no word time? How are you going to come to the small group study and then do your lesson, then do the scripture reference, but want to talk all the time? There, there's, how many of y'all ever been in, um, what's, the, what's the group, uh, Bible Study Fellowship? Any of y'all, any of y'all know Bible Study Fellowship? Bible Study Fellowship is a, is, a, is a national program where Christians get together and study the Bible. And one of, one of, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the tenets of being able to talk in the class is you got to have done your lesson. If you hadn't done your lesson, they say, okay, that's good, but just be quiet. Because you're going to be talking out of ignorance and out of feeling. Ignorance means you just don't know. You may think you know, but you don't know because you didn't, spend the time. You didn't even read the Bible. So if you, don't, if you hadn't read the scripture, then, then now you're going to come to it with a construct that's not shaped by the word of God. Because God uses the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Amen? So that's why I keep harping on that. Because we are a Bible teaching and Bible believing church. And that's where we're going to stay. Okay? So... This word is for Christians today. Now, now listen. I'm going to stop here, and on next week, next week, we're going to look at three things as it relates to building a multi-ethnic church, talking about God's plan for his church. But I got you. I need y'all to hear my heart. Man, I love every last one of y'all, but I love you enough to teach you the truth. I'm not, listen, because I, listen, as your pastor, I should love you enough to speak 
a prophetic truth to you. And I know some of y'all are working through some feelings and some emotions, but what I'm trying to tell you is you got to get out of that and get into the book and let the word transform your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And as you do that, God will equip you to pass his truth on to others. Amen? So we're going to look at those three, those three areas there. But again, I hope y'all heard me today. I love you. But we're going to be the church that God has ordained from eternity's past because that's the mantle that he gave us. That's the mantle that he gave us. He says, I want you to be like heaven on earth. And guys, if Jesus says it's possible, it's possible. It's happening in a lot of places. But again, like I said, it's, it's you know, what you see happening here now is unusual to the point that people start whispering and talking. What's going on? Why'd you go up there? Are they treating you right? What's going on? Why you left your church? Well, everybody that comes, I ask them this one question. Did the Holy Spirit lead you? And y'all hear me carefully, and I've said it before. Every, every year I've been here, if the Holy Spirit leads somebody to come and join this church, everybody that comes through that door and the Holy Spirit leads them to join, they are welcome. I don't care where you came from. I don't care what you look like. And we're going to do ministry and do life together. Can't get five witnesses out there. That's what we're going to do. And we've all, it's always been our mindset and it always will be our mindset. Okay, so if, you, if you're not there yet, and let me say this. People, I heard people say this, and this, this is a lie from the pits of hell. Let me tell you, it's a lie from the pits of hell. Once you know what the word of God says, you don't grow into that. You're either obedient or you're not. And if you're not obedient, then that means you're out of the will of God. You don't grow into treating somebody right. You just treat somebody right. Now, I understand that people grow and mature spiritually, but what I'm saying is that once you know what the revealed word of God is, God don't say, okay, I'm going to give you five years to come into obedience. <laughs> if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. And God is saying, I'm giving you my word. I've given you a pastor who's going to explain it to you plainly. He ain't going to holler at you, but he's going to teach you. So now that you know what the word of God says, you better stop fighting it because God I've seen throughout you go back through church history and you go back through the old covenant. Whenever God's people knew what his revealed word was, but they didn't do it. God would discipline them. And I don't want to be disciplined by God. You know, I, I've been disciplined by God before. It don't feel too good. I thank him that he loved me enough to do it, but I'd much rather just obey what he says. Amen. All right. Every head bowed, everybody close. Father, we thank you.